0: Hey, welcome to the Midwelle podcast. Stuart here, just a short introduction before we hear from Ed Chawner, Yellow Jersey Ed Chawner, just a legend on this team. If you've met Ed, you'll know why we're interviewing him and spending a few minutes getting to know Ed and sharing him with the rest of the team. He is truly uh, what Midwelle stand for. Hopefully you enjoy the time we spent with him and the uh, questions we asked. And if you get a chance, uh, Ed has a invitation for everyone to participate as part of the Wasatch Adaptive Sports Program. It's something that you'll hear about and a group that he works with on a daily basis. So their website is uh, in the notes of this podcast, as well as you can just go to their website, Wasatch Adaptive Sports. And as a team, we hope to make a a big impact there with our service and uh, support. So big thanks to Ed. Thanks to Spencer and Jake who joined me on the podcast and uh, hopefully enjoy it. Thanks. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Me Podcast. Stuart Anderson here, joined with uh, Spencer Chippy, Jake Cook, and Ed Chawner. Welcome, everybody.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. you.
0: We're so excited to have Ed on. Uh, we are going to talk to him and interview him. We're going to get nitty gritty with Ed. I can't wait. Uh, before we do so, we wanted to just say thanks to everybody that came to St. George. Grateful for all the miles we shared. I don't know if I'm grateful that Jake took me to hell and back to Mesquite, but uh, in the end, I guess it worked out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that pavement was not, was not fun. I, I thought it was a little smoother back in March when I, when I wrote it, but man, it was brutal.
0: That was brutal. Yeah. I mean, when we passed into Arizona and then when we passed into Nevada, I'm like, what, where are, what is happening? How many states could we possibly pass through?
2: I, I, I wish everyone would, would, uh, would have seen the carnage that was on the backside of Utah Hill Climb. I mean, there was just absolute <laughs> carnage, which is separation by, I think, you know, some, t- some people were a mile apart, a half a mile apart. I mean, it was it was a fun sight to see. So glad everyone came, favorite, and it was a fun weekend.
0: Favorite part, ship? Favorite
3: camp? Oh, oh camp memory. There there's, there's so much. I think I had just a really fun group climbing up that backside of, of the Utah Hill Climb. And, and it was actually kind of fun to feel the heat again, coming out of winter. And we were blessed with a very nice weekend, hence what just took place over this last weekend and, uh, during true grip. So I think it was just, you know, side by side with the guys going up Utah Hill, enjoying the sun. Uh, and then I would also add, sorry that I'm taken to is the pine, oh uh, mm. pine view, pine uh, valley. Pine, pine valley with with the ice cream at the top of there and that mm-hmm. was a blast yeah
0: mayor jim dunn
2: yep i, I planned that, was that perfectly And cool have you I, ever i planned that perfectly ed mm-hmm. have you ever climbed that road pine valley is, is that
0: where does it end what's at the top of that it's like that <laughs> weird little city at the top of that climb uh like you're going to enterprise and then you, you you hang a right up this up that road
1: yeah no i haven't done that it's gorgeous sounds great i've gone in vejo though
0: yeah yeah well jake big kudos to jake he really took that camp by the reins and just wrestled that steer to the ground just (laughs) we had a lot of people there that was just uh, a lot of fun so we've already got a google doc planning next year's camp in maui so can't wait it's gonna be (laughs) awesome
2: Hey, real quick, real quick! Uh, shout out to uh, you know TBD and some BCC guys that came out and showed uh, for team camp. They added a great vibe, and also shout out to those the speakers that we had every day. Ed, we had a um, Sean Yeager speak on Thursday. We had uh, a guy from TBD, Shane Kennedy, speak on Friday, and then Andy Wells speak on Saturday. So it kind of set the tone for the the camp, and I thought it was just fantastic. Just talk about their cycling stuff, what, what cycling and biking is meant to them, and. Man, it just was a great vibe to start off the, the team camp. So,
0: Yeah. Super. Nice. Thanks, Jade. So um, I'm going to introduce Ed, and I'm using the script that we read when Ed received the yellow jersey last year. We were so grateful to honor him, and uh, dude, the, the life that he has shown to me, Dwelles, uh, is hopefully um, something that everybody gets to learn about today, and hopefully you get to ride with. With Ed. So I'll just read this. This is right from the script that Chip read uh, on the stage of Barbacoa in the beautiful sunset. Okay. Ed is an all-star adaptive ski instructor and a key member of the snowbird community. He's taught every type of student with every type of need, and he's been able to develop goals and accomplishments with those that need it most. Cycling and skiing have always been a huge part of Ed's life. He's raced bikes since 1985 and mountain bike since 1988. He also competed in two mountain bike uh, world cross championships and one U.S. road national championship. He's authored uh, mountain bike clinic books as well as owned the International Cup mountain bike series which carries on today. In 1978, Ed started teaching skiing at Snowbird and has been on the ski patrol team as as well. Ed was a W.A.S. tour guide. Do I say that right, Chip, or do I say W.A.S.?
3: Yeah. I, I would just add that it's one of the toughest accomplishments to get
0: to to be uh, that a carry-on. Stew. Perfect. It basically means that this guy can do anything, anywhere, and he'll kick your butt doing it. <laughs> if you follow Ed's Strava page, you'll find that many of his rides include taking others out uh, with a goal of riding a bike again or skiing again. Ed makes this happen, and I don't know how that big heart of his fits in such a small frame. To this day, if Ed decides to compete in the Porcupine Hill Climb, he's going to win his age group by a long shot. We're grateful to have a true legend on our cycling team and appreciate his mentorship uh, for all that have have been with him and know him. So we're grateful to have you, Ed. Thanks for that intro. I'm humbled. (laughs) Hey, man you're the man and chip wrote that introduction so uh, all the kudos all the kudos to chip there. <laughs> ed wasn't laughing when i said he's gonna kick your butt and porcupine hill climb he'll smoke you every single person listening to this podcast he will smoke you
1: <laughs> okay i think i'm gonna be out of town on that
0: weekend <laughs> uh, all right well anyway um so grateful ed grateful to have you we're I just want to start at the beginning. Chip's going to lead you through some questions of maybe some history and uh, how you got started with the team and how you got started in the sport. So take it away, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome,
3: Ed. Um, We are excited to hear you just get into talking from that introduction. Share with us how um, you got into uh, racing, road racing Um, and let's start there, Ed. It's just going to dovetail into a lot of questions thereafter. Talk about how you, uh, started on the bike and, and evolved into racing.
1: Well, I, I got into cycling in kind of a roundabout way. I was, I grew up in Bozeman, Montana, and there's not a lot of cycling up there. At least there wasn't then there's now, but, um, I was a runner. I was a cross country runner in high school and into college and, When i came down here i i knew of cycling um my my cousin dave was on the 68 and 72 olympic team he was a track cyclist and so we kind of you know we watch him on tv on the olympics and you know kind of knew what it was about it was interesting to our whole family but i get down here i'm a runner and in 80 let's see when did i do this in 85 i blew my knee up skiing ACL MCL and had to have Mm. full reconstruction and for rehab I started cycling and my goal that year was to to rehab enough I had done this in early March to compete and at least ride the snowbird hill climb because I was familiar with that that was all I knew nothing about bike racing so I got in that and was able to finish up, you know, in the citizen category and it was like eighth or something. And I thought, oh, that kind of went pretty well for just my very first ever on a bike. And it just kind of took off from there. And as for racing, we, Jim Morgan was kind of running the team then and putting together sponsorship. And I was working in marketing at Snowbird in that and I'm not sure on the whole timeline on this, but I just remember Jim coming up to me and asking for sponsorship from snowbird for the team. And I went, yeah, you know, I think we can do that with one stipulation. And that is I get to be on the team. And Jim (laughs) said, okay, absolutely. No problem. (laughs) And that's what really started me into the whole racing scene. Man, man. What a,
3: so fun to hear that history, Ed. Um, so it, in that moment, as Jim kind of onboards you, if you will, um, <laughs> that is Midwelly cycling in its infancy, as well as considered the race team. And from there, Ed, you guys just start entering as a race group. Talk about your your training. Is it a smaller group? Are you training like the Midwelly team does now on the on a regular morning basis, walk us through kind of the the training program and and
1: the Medwelli race team at that age well, it was we were all cat fours, <laughs> so none of us knew a lot about the racing, but we all loved to ride and there wasn't a lot of riding in the dark like we do now there we didn't take lights out or anything, but we'd get together oh, two or three times a week. And um, in those days, we always had the uh, criteria, the weekly criteria out at the international center. And so we would meet at Wild Rose and then ride out from there and then do the crit and then ride back. And then we just, we started just going to local races. We did travel um, out of state, like to the Telluride stage race and Of course, the Evanston race, we went to California for um, kind of a divisional race out there. And, you know, it was just kind of hit and miss because none of us, again, we were just, we were learning as we were going, but it was super fun. And, you know, those are the days we had the uh, Flintstone Things on the shoulders and the yeah. pink—I mean, every color—and it's like every race we went to, we definitely stood out. There <laughs> we going, geez, guys, nice jerseys, you know. Uh-huh. And it was, um, it was fun. It was. We're it was bringing those
0: fun. jerseys back, Ed. We're bringing them back. I
1: think we should. You know, I was very disappointed when the the Flintstone uh, design went away. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it makes me dooley me dooley. So that was it. And then as we got going, you know, as, but Marty, all of a sudden, Marty Jemison, all of a sudden bumped from four to two and the rest of us kind of inching our way up to threes and um, you know, Tom Bonacci was there and John Schumann, Jeff Wyatt, let's see, Eric Tram. Um, So we were, you know, we were kind of the smaller startup team and, you know, you had the Steve Johnsons and all of them on these other more established teams. But I think we had the most fun.
0: Hmm. Nice.
3: Man, it's so fun to go that far back, you guys. It's like so cool to just to hear the development of it and that um, and that we still have the 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 founding fathers to talk to us about what it was <laughs> like then. It's just it's so fun to go back um so yeah, now I
2: probably i was probably still in the womb man when when ed was is crushing all these canyons dude <laughs> yeah. i wasn't born yet it is,
1: it is it is so weird to think that i'm the older guy <laughs> it just time goes so fast it's unbelievable yeah. yeah
3: yeah um so ed now now talk about the midwelly of of that area of that era and and today i mean you there there is probably aside from you that still is riding regularly? Like, I mean, you put the hours and miles on the bike and uh, you would be the longest lasting, still riding member of, of the team because you even came on board prior to like Dave Sharp, for example.
1: Yeah. Um, I I think everybody that was on the team originally even though we kind of lose contact I think everybody is still on a bike it's kind mm-hmm. of like we were talking about your kids and they're in ski racing right now they will ski at a really high level their whole life starting out and for us to be on the team I mean it's established when you started getting in really good shape I mean the kind of fitness that I don't think any of us had really experienced before and you get used to that and you, you want to continue with it. And it's pretty automatic as all of, you know, it's addictive (laughs) and it's, it's tough to set down. So, you know, all the original people are, are riding in some form. Um, I'd love to, to catch up with like Schumann and Jeff Wyatt. I know, I think Jeff went up to Montana. I think John's still around somewhere, but haven't seen or talked to them in a long time, but yeah, it's, it, it's something that we do for life and it kind of shapes our daily routine forever. And it, of course, it affects people around us too that have to either put up with it or join in or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
3: but it does Ed, and, and to this day though, you, um, not to reiterate it, but I, but I am, you, you still ride like you did <laughs> Like you did uh, 30 years ago, um, at least the at least the hours and the and the and some of the terrain that you ride. I mean, it, it's incredible, and so it is a lifelong uh, opportunity and friendship with a lot of those that you have
1: worked with yep. for so long. It is the the main thing that I'm feeling is the recovery time is a lot longer now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it's. Anyone- it's- and you know to put the and now with with Strava and being able to compare past rides and times and everything else that's <laughs> added a nice dimension to it too yeah and when a- we
0: started when we started dipping rides into the uh four a.m's <laughs> that was all inspired by Ed I I would see him I'm like well okay we got new limits now if, if Ed's up riding Little Conwood at four 445 I'm like let's go let's do this we can do this <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the downfall of growing up working on farms and a paper boy and everything your whole life starts early and that never ends <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah man
3: that's so awesome
2: and do, do you have a do you have a story I mean like uh we we love we had uh, Chris Peterson on here we've had Dave Sharp we've had some OGs on here there's a favorite OG memory come to mind like a, a maybe a big <laughs> ride or you know, something that just vividly sits there in your mind that you'd like to share the team? Well, I can't
1: even compare, start to compare to the level of storytelling that Chris Peterson and Dave <laughs> <laughs> their level. I'm, I'm way down in the basement when it comes to that. Um, but I mean, we had a lot of great trips together. Um, Everest challenge was, there were always stories coming back from that. And, because everybody went through every different uh, level of agony and just maintaining control and everything else in every way and eating, just sleeping, uh, being on the bike, I mean, everything. So it was, you know, you go through something like that with teammates and it, you kind of gain a special bond on that. So um, those, the Everest Challenge years, those were probably.
2: How many most, of those have you done, Ed?
1: Four. Oh. That was enough.
2: What What canyons did you ever stop? <laughs> no, it's like no. They they have it's, is it's an be-
0: event, an event oh. Oh, down man. in. Uh, yeah.
1: This was way before Tahoe for a steam was a verb.
2: <laughs> probably way before yeah. my time. I probably was still in the womb again. You know
1: what I mean? So this is it was a, a two day stage race in California in Bishop, and in the two days you climbed twenty nine the equivalent of the everest in two and days in two days, so the first day was um fifteen four second day was thirteen something, but it's a race as well the race yeah it's fun yeah, so we're doing it. it it's interesting you're not only trying to just survive but you're head to head against these other guys and trying to figure out okay, do I conserve now and go hard on the next one or whatever. And when I first went out, Dan Mosier and Ken and Chris, they I think they had all done it once. And I, Dan was telling me about it. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go out and just try to finish this thing. And you know, once you're out there and realize, okay, yeah, I, I think I can finish it. Of course, I flatted up the first five miles of the first climb. So it was just trying to catch back on. And when you're going hard to catch back on, you're doing eight miles an hour, and hopefully the peloton's doing seven miles an hour, so you can mm-hmm. catch them.
2: That is brutal. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. and I'm one in one stage you could lose twenty-five or thirty minutes because it's six thousand vertical on the last stage each day. It was six thousand vertical feet uh, on, on the last climb each day, and it was just God. ridiculous. I can't wait.
0: I can't wait to do it.
1: Mm. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they do it anymore. Yeah, uh, um, I don't think so either.
3: Thank um, goodness. <laughs> Ed, we want to we want to change gears with you just uh, for a moment and talk about something really special that Ed is involved in, and and would love for you to introduce to the group and to the listeners. Um, oftentimes, when I'm up skiing at Snowbird, I see Ed uh, working with uh, someone with um, that. Uh, with with Wasatch Adaptive Sports. Wasatch Adaptive Sports, I'll let Ed introduce um, the organization, but just an amazing organization that does so much. And I see him up there frequently working with uh, kids and adults. Um, Talk to us about how you got into it and and just give an introduction to the foundation as a
1: whole. Yeah, well, first of all, my main involvement is uh, with their cycling program. And, um, but I am around them in the winter a lot and um, can help out, but I'm mainly on the the main mountain school up there. Um, I was introduced, Peter Mandler started it, started Wasatch Adaptive in the late 70s, let me think. Yeah, it was in the late 70s. So I've known him forever from Snowbird and and I I, just like you I saw what they were doing with people in the winter and that's really cool And I didn't know much about their summer program and then once I the once the Intermountain Cup I was you know done with that all of a sudden I had some free time and I talked to Peter about it and said hey can you use any more help on the cycling side of things and you know he immediately said oh yeah come down and I um, started working with them and Wasatch Adaptive. We work with anybody with special needs, whether they're children, adults, age doesn't matter. It's their willingness to come on out and try something new and different. And it's um, a lot of stroke survivors, amputees. Um, We work with a lot of vets. I mean, you name it, they come out there and we have machines if you, I try to take a picture of each time I go out with someone because all the the bikes, recumbent bikes, hand cycles, carts I mean, we have something that will work for anyone. And it is unbelievable. You get out there, you know, I've been working with racers for 25 years and it's a really high elite athlete. You see enjoyment and psych and everything coming from then. And you come to these people and they have that exact same excitement at doing a ride averaging four, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's so you, you see them come and a lot of times they'll come in their wheelchair and really have to be lifted out and put on a bike. And just that movement, and a lot of times we have to kind of get that muscle pattern working for them. But once they go through a full stroke, all of a sudden it's like they have independence in their life again. And it's just oh, cool. it's so exciting. I, I have never seen, I never understood how a bike could just, it's life. And once they do it, it's like, okay, I'm looking forward to next week. And their whole week is thinking about coming back and getting back on the bike. So it's cool. so cool. It's really fun. And again, it's, I've, I was an engineer in college, which you might say, what does that have to do with this? But a lot of what you do there is problem solving and you do the same thing as these students show up and you just find out, okay, which side works? What, what's the weak side? What's your visibility? Do you have peripheral vision? Can you see out of both? Can you hear and every, everything involved? And it's like, okay, let's try this machine. We'll have to use these braces, these straps get them set up, get them moving. And it's, it's great. They are, you, you never see so many smiles from people anywhere. It's mm-hmm. really, really satisfying. Yeah. That is really, really cool. Fun when does hear.
3: it start?
0: When does it start back up again? Uh, again, Ed, do you just wait for the sun? Wait, <laughs> the,
1: I believe there's this skiing part ends April 15th we have training the first week of May uh for the cycling program and the summer program we do more than just cycling we take them out um paddle boarding and for hikes um there's a golfing you know we kind of there's bo- there's bowling um a lot of different things again i mainly do the cycling but um I'm falling in the water off the paddleboard too. I'm helping them do that. But it's we we get rolling about the about mid-May, I believe the summer programs start. Um, and we mainly go to uh, Jordan River Trail, which works out really well for us. And then every Friday we go down to Utah County on the Murdoch Trail or Provo River Trail. And um, yeah, get them out there so they get to do a little climbing. Mm. So uh, cool, that nice. is so
3: cool. Um, man, Ed, uh, s- speaking of your legacy, it is only right that. Uh, well, first of all, we would we'd love to hear you talk about the one of the toughest trails to climb is to the top of um, Snowbird uh, on the mountain bike, but there is also now a, a trail down towards the bottom named after Ed Chawner. And <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when you're riding your bike up, uh, up around the snowbird area and it is, it's brutal. And then you come down and then it's like, Hey, I'm going to take this nice path. And it happens to be the Ed Chawner. um, Named after Ed Chaunter,
0: uh,
3: trail. And that is so cool, Ed. What so just cool. talk to us about your development on the trail system up there at Bird?
1: Well, first of all, the first time I knew that trail was named after me, I was riding up and I saw the sign over there. and went, Where did that come from? <laughs>
0: that was a joke.
1: <laughs> exactly. The story behind that is you know, we with the Intermountain Cup, we had the mountain bout up there for. 25 years and it there wasn't a real good loop there Mm -hmm. and so um the president at the time Bob Bonar I I said is there is there any way and I kind of walked the area and said is there any way that we might be able to put a trail in somehow to to link up this loop at the bottom of the mountain and he said well get out there and flag it and let's take a look at what you're thinking so I I walked this whole area and just put flags periodically and, you know, made it around, took him out and he said, listen, get some people together and go ahead and put it in. So I got like four of the guys and we went out just with picks and shovels and rakes and made that trail. <laughs> and, and that was the story behind it. And, but it did make a real nice loop. It connected that whole loop at the base of the mountain. And now it's used a lot for people that just want to get out and maybe do a short. I mean, um, the guests we have up there want want to do a short little trail walk and, you know, that's 45 minutes or an hour. And um, for mountain biking, too, it's still it's still good. It's really fun because I every rock I see on that, I I it reflects back to my memory on making that thing and the bushes we had to cut through and pry out the rocks, but no machines were used at all. It was all pick and shovel. Wow, (laughs) That's
3: impressive. Well, I just would say that it is very cool on Strava. You mentioned Strava earlier to complete a loop there after going up and down uh, to the top and having that segment be called the Ed Channer loop is uh, <laughs> no very cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yep. So cool. Um, Ed, we want, we're going to make you go, we just want to kind of showcase how tough Ed Channer is this last year. Um, during the pandemic uh, the crusher was canceled and um so Scott Miles said we're going to put together an event that is similar to Crusher, um, over 10,000 feet of climbing. Uh, bring your gravel bike because there will be a mix between road uh, and and for the most part single track, <laughs> because we were going up through Dog Lake and over um, Great Western down into Park City through through Mill Creek. Well, Ed shows up on his road bike, but with a little bit wider tire um maybe what you would compare to like um like um the armadillo tire that you would buy on like the just to try to avoid flat tires maybe on your road bike so ed rolls (laughs) up like no big deal um ed can you comment just a little bit on that day as the rest of us are looking at this guy like
1: you've got to be kidding he is tougher than nails (laughs) Well, once again, Dave Sharp shamed me into doing it. We were on a mountain bike ride earlier that week. He said, yeah, we're meeting there. We're going to do this epic trail and everything. It's like, okay, I'll see what it's all about. And I always figured, you know, a, a gravel bike is a road bike with wide tires. So in, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. Then I get there and start looking around and like oh man, Mm -hmm. these guys have 1050 cassettes (laughs) on the backs of their bike and have suspension and everything. It's like, okay, well, I'll go as far as I can and make the turn if I have to. But um, it was fun. It was a challenge. I mean, that is a full body workout, especially when you get to the top and those rocky sections and trying to descend. It's just like, okay, I'm glad I'm not in the er after this thing but it it was fun i mean and you know for all of us the challenge is part of it it's a big part of it it's just like okay let's see if we can even do this and if not gravity can take us back down somewhere (laughs) so so we start to descend into
3: um utah olympic park and ed is still there on his road bike with these bigger tires just right behind the gravel bikes and and Ed, you just need to know. Everyone thought that that was the toughest act on a road bike <laughs> completed by a d- d- dwelly. So, so and good. stupid the same
0: thing. Uh-huh. Yep.
2: synonymous. You you've always got to be aware of with with sharp getting in, sending an invite out. You know what I mean. You never know what's going to happen. It's no true. No got to no prepare fear. for the worst.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Um, Ed. Uh, so still to this day, uh, I think Stuart mentioned, um, in the intro, the porcupine hill climb. Um, you can't let a year go by without, um, entering and, and just kind of, uh, keeping the cup for that event. Uh, are we, are we planning on you this year to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, uh,
1: take it again? Well, I'm, I'm never really sure if I'm going to be in that. <laughs> what, what the, the other job I do in the summer, I'm a mountain guide for worldwide tracking. So we're, we do trips all over the place, which COVID last year, of course we couldn't travel anywhere. And I'm, I'm set to guide a couple trips to Peru this summer if we're, mo- if we're doing it. So I have no idea <laughs> if I'm, if I'm still here and, and riding. Um, yeah, I'll probably get in that, but it's pretty tough to go walk in the mountains for a couple of weeks and then come back, get on your bike and do anything.
0: But so we'll we'll just have to see. And the thing, um, with how many times you've done porcupine hill climb, I mean, you love to climb. Um, is that, I mean, is that what you usually seek out is little cottonwood or, or climb? is that a you gotta take us through like your daily, daily routine. (laughs)
1: well for some reason climbing is easier on my body than just riding to Mm -hmm. go out on these long road rides on the flats or rollers i die but if i can get on a climb for some i don't know what it is it just it feels better um my daily routine i get up and again it just depends on the day uh, and what time I need to go to work or whatever's going on on some of those days. Yeah. It is a, a four 30 or four 45 start to get yeah. the early. I mean, kind of the same with you guys too, but yeah. um, it's, if I have the time and I like last year was really fun. Cause I just, I'd look and I actually on Strava and see what other people were doing. And it's like, Oh, I've never done that thing before. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and then with now with some, um, Cascade Springs paved in. It's really added some great options on the bike to head up and you can go all kinds of different things there and utilize Pine Canyon for full torture. And yeah, so I don't, I don't really have a routine. I like to, I like to mix it up, you know, one day go out, take the mountain bike out. Um, Last year, Chris Peterson and Dave Sharp and myself every Wednesday morning, the hump day rides really early in the morning, we'd head out to Corner Canyon and do some riding. And then with Adaptive, I'm usually on my cross bike with them, so I'll always ride there and then maybe put a ride in after working with them, just, you know, a long commute back home. Um, And it just, yeah, it just, it varies. But it's fun having all the different tools. As you know, I mean, to get on the fat bike one day and the cross bike and then the road bike and then your mountain bike and just, just mix it up. I think it's really fun
0: well you've you've had a lifetime um of kind of perfecting it and and enjoying it is there any any advice that you would give it doesn't have to be bike advice I mean what have you learned what what things stand out uh that, that you've learned that you'd want to share with with other guys
1: well maybe maybe one small thing is when when you asked about my the big cottonwood hill climb and Um, you know how I've done in the past and everything in my mind I don't look at that I don't look at the past I'm and for all of us but I really consider that I'm only as good as I am right now and I don't try to build on really anything from the past and um, I don't know I think I think that's kind of a good thing for everybody to kind of stay in the moment and really enjoy what you're doing right now. Um, I mean, we have great memories and so forth, but, you know, not, not to maybe dwell on that or dwell on the future so much, but, you know, just, just enjoy it for right now. I mean, people constantly ask on these trips that I guide and they say, so what's your favorite trip that you've ever done? I always, my response is always this one, the one I'm on right now, this is the very best. Cause look at us, look what we're doing right now. So that's it. But, you know, just the whole cycling thing. um, It creates a lifestyle and um, you, you just, as you know, you experience a lot of things, you see a lot of things, you stay really fit. And it is, I do warn people that it is addictive (laughs) that once you start doing it, you'll probably never be able to quit, which maybe isn't a bad thing.
2: <laughs> Is and, as there any... I've, got, I've got a question Go for on. you. Sorry, Stu, jump yeah. in. No, you're good. You know, as being a younger guy on the team, too, I mean, this kind of goes along the same, uh, along the same lines what Stu has asked, but, uh, you know, we've had a lot of younger guys join the team or younger people want to join the team. So being an OG, being kind of the main person, you know, back in the days, what what advice, again, would you just continue on the advice uh, page is what advice would you give to these young people who are just diving into, you know, joining this team? Um, Yeah, well, well, they
1: obviously have some objective for joining the team. And most of the time, a lot of people, it's just like, they don't really know much about riding and cycling. And this is really the best way to learn when you're around other people, because everybody's kind of an expert in a different, little area in cycling. So just watch and listen and see what people are riding on and just, just to gain a lot of experience there. Um, and as, as for the, everything is just learning, you know, and to get, again, to get together with the team, to not try to be maybe that, that top person or always in the front or whatever, but just watch and see how other people Um, work with each other and talk with each other. But again, it's just, it's such a great way to learn about a sport, whether it's whatever sport it's in, if you can take it and just get on some team racing, they are always the most knowledgeable about everything about training, eating equipment, the whole gamut. So I would just say, just hang in there, meet people, watch what they're doing, watch what they're using and learn. And then pretty soon great they're advice. going to be teaching the other new people.
0: That's great advice. Great advice. And is there any mistakes you see young cyclists make or any, anybody like that, that, that you would warn against? Um, you know,
1: some, and, and from being in the mountain bike world and road bike world and seeing a lot of cyclists, you know, some, some people are just, they're kind of cocky and, it's like they get these big egos and just even out riding, you see it going on where they're blasting through red, red lights and, you know, just riding way into the lane of traffic. And one thing, cars are much bigger than bikes and don't ever challenge them. You know, I, you gotta stay really predictable. It's fine. If you're out in their lane, as long as they are not there, but once cars are coming, get out and, and get on the side of the road. Um, yeah. And just, just, I guess, leave your ego at home, you know, come and, and get a workout and, you know, hope, hope for a self thrashing during the day and then go home <laughs> and enjoy it. You become stronger for it.
0: So I think we just found the title of the podcast, self thrashing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we're all there. You know, I'm talking to you guys as my peers and everybody understands that.
0: Self-inflicted thrashing. Very good. Well, Ed, uh, you certainly are a legend. And I mean that not from the sense of what I think you've accomplished on the bike. I mean, just as a man in general, you know, what you've accomplished, what you do for Wasatch Adaptive, just so cool. Uh, And then to hear you talk about it, I mean, to hear the way you describe um, serving and, and taking care of those people is just. Probably my favorite part of, of speaking to you. Um, anything else, Jake? Uh, as we kind of come in for a landing, or, or Ed, that you want to talk about or, or share?
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have anything else really to add. I think you know, Ed, you're a legend, and it's been great to to learn, be on these podcast episodes, to learn from the likes of Chris Peterson, you, Dave Sharp. I mean, Aaron Jordan. I mean, all those guys. It's you know, as a as a young person, I love learning. Like you said, learning from new people, and and there's I feel like on this team, you can be just, just be a sponge for one day, just soak up all these, all this knowledge that all these older guys have, because again, you're going to be passing on to the next generation. Right. So um, again, yeah. I appreciate being on here. It's learned a lot and it's uh, grateful you're, you've been a part of the team for so long. So. Thank you. Jake. I, I
1: appreciate that. Um, if I can just say one more thing about Wasatch Adaptive, they're always in need of volunteers and it's, it's so I. Dan Mosher has come out and helped out a bit. Um, but if anybody's interested, it's wasatchadaptivesports.com and you can go in and sign up as a volunteer, even if you just come out for one or two days and just see what goes on with it. I mean, it is, it, it is well worth just seeing these people and what they're working through. And um, it kind of puts everything in perspective with all of our lives and it's worthwhile doing it so come on out and just check it out sometime
0: nice i'll put the link with the podcast um i'd love to come and so when you are with them do you ride your own bike like how do you do it
1: um most of the time i ride my own bike um there are times that we can we can use their bikes they have a number of upright mountain bikes but I kind of like being on my own because I don't have to go with setting it up and everything, but you don't have to do that. I mean, a a lot of people just, they don't want to wear out their own bike, So they just let the um, coordinators know that they need a bike that day. And so they can use one of ours too. But we are on, I've tried to be um, tested out being on a recumbent because I thought, okay, I'm at the same level as the student, but it works much better to be (laughs) on your own bike.
0: for yeah, me bet. at least getting on and off and helping out that way very cool well great advice great plea to have us help but there's a lot of people who are uh, on this team who have a lot of resources to help and uh time and money so great great um great connection there with wasatch adaptive sports cool all well, righty ed where where that yellow jersey Bye. proud man we salute you <laughs>
1: <Bye>. <laughs> <Makes sense. laughs>
0: I appreciate later, it.
1: Me do rules. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See you guys. All right, guys. Thanks okay, so take, much.
1: Take Thanks a lot. Okay.